Hey everyone, Dana here. I'm so sorry to be interrupting before we even begin just our second episode, but I just wanted to say that um, this episode was recorded on a day in Brooklyn where, my God, every single person in the world was riding a train or flying a plane or using a siren. So I really apologize. Um, I tried my best to pause if I heard noise outside and kind of edit it out. But if you hear a little bit of background noise, please know that um, it was not ideal for me either. And I hope that you'll forgive me. And with that, we'll begin the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, my beautiful Tropicanas. Welcome to The Ricardo Project, the podcast where I watch through I Love Lucy episode by episode and talk about its historical, comedic, and emotional impact. My name is Dana, and welcome. Today we're discussing episode two of season one, titled Be a Pal, which premiered 70 years ago today, October 22nd, 1951. So again, this is... This is another episode that I haven't seen that many times. The The scene at the end where Lucy dresses up as Carmen Miranda is pretty iconic. So I'm really familiar with the idea of this episode, but I hadn't seen it in years, probably. I mean, maybe seven or eight years. Um, and I really wasn't sure what to expect. <laughs> out of this episode. It is not, um, it's not my favorite. I am just going to get that out of the way. It's not my favorite. I don't think there's such a thing as a bad episode of I Love Lucy, but I will say that if there was one, I think it's this one. Uh, that's how I feel. It's not, I still like the show and I still think there's a ton of stuff to talk about, but it, this is not my favorite episode. Um, so, Let's get into it. So this, so Be a Pal was written by our friends Jess, Madeline, and Bob, directed by Mark. The gang's all here. It opens with um, Lucy and Ricky at their breakfast table, a very iconic place for them to open within the, the structure of the show. This happens quite a bit. Ricky is reading the newspaper, and Lucy is trying to have a conversation with him, and he's not really paying her any attention. We get the first ever appearance of the toaster shooter, which is very exciting, of, of the, the toaster that shoots toast out. Very thrilling. I was so happy to see it so early. I think it's really cool as we, as I watch back through these early episodes to see how many things that I really associate with my younger viewing of the show, the toaster popping out, the toast, Fred Mertz's tie being tucked into his pants. Um, the the great friendship between Lucy and Ethel, how much all that is really there at the beginning. So it's fun to see these little moments that that become bits later on. Um, so that was exciting. I also wrote down, I want those pajamas. <laughs> I loved her pajamas, and I'm pretty sure someone correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that those pajamas or another version of them were sold in stores as like branded merch for the show. But anyway. So Ricky's completely ignoring Lucy. She's getting really frustrated about it. He leaves with without kissing her goodbye. She holds up a grapefruit for him to kiss because he's so distracted, and he does, and he doesn't even notice. But you would think something that sour he would notice, but that's the joke. So Lucy is stomping around the kitchen. Ethel shows up. 
She puts more butter on a piece of bread than I've ever seen in my entire life, which is just a really great bit. Vivian Vance does such a good job in the show of always having food in her hand or um, kind of establishing her familiarity with the Ricardo. She comes in. She knows exactly where everything is. She serves herself breakfast. In a later scene, she pours herself a cup of coffee. So they're doing a really good job of laying the groundwork of maybe Ethel's a little too comfortable in the Ricardo home. But they're also incredibly close, and so it it tracks that this is what they would be doing. So Ethel takes this opportunity to talk to Lucy about Dr. Humphreys, who wrote this book called How to Keep the Honeymoon from Ending, which is all about how to be a wife that, you know, your husband will want to pay attention to. And he blames it on the wife. He says that she needs to dress up and dazzle him. So Lucy tries that. It doesn't work. So then they move on to to the title of the episode, The Be a Pal System. And that the idea of that is that you should, you know, your husband's interests, you should suddenly become interested in that. So he thinks you're, you know, his friend and not just his wife. So Lucy learns how to play poker from Ethel. So clearly not well. And (laughs) clearly not well. She goes down, she plays, she's kind of fulfills a role of an idiot savant and wins both hands that she plays and they hate it. They just hate playing with her. So then they employ the final thing, which is to become his mother, and she resets the entire apartment to look like Cuba. She dresses up as Carmen Miranda. She rents children and a burrow and a mannequin to look like it's taking a siesta, and she dances as Carmen Miranda. She does have a great physical comedy moment where the record starts skipping, and she has to make it look like she's really singing is the kind of the conceit of the joke. The record starts to skip, so she has to keep up with that. Then the record goes really fast. She has to keep up with that. The record goes really slow. She has to keep up with that. And that's like a very Charlie Chaplin, vaudevillian style. Very um, very visually funny, very physical comedy. And something that we would have learned in clowning school, something that you would learn in these physical comedy style of training. So that was really great to see. An excellent showcase of her presence and of her uh, availability. So so Ricky obviously is completely shocked and hates this. And she says, oh, I thought maybe you didn't care about me anymore because you were missing Cuba, which is a really weird jump to make. But we'll get there. And Ricky says, you know, I fell in love with you because you're so different from anybody I ever met. I love you. They kiss and it's over. Um, and so they make up. So that's the basic plot of that's the basic plot of the episode, a really fast version of it. Here are my two issues with it. One of which is is okay. Here's the deal. I think that Doctor Humphreys is a total dick, and the show. This is a good example of how the show really had to find its footing, because I, this episode of I Love Lucy was based on a episode of My Favorite Husband, which was the radio show that Lucille Ball did that was really successful that got CBS interested in a sitcom. Again, I Love Lucy was originally just supposed to be a television version of My Favorite Husband. And so this was kind of the televised remake of this radio show episode. And you can tell because to me, this episode doesn't even feel like Lucy Ricardo. This episode feels like someone else entirely. 
And you can see the kind of comedy lineage of this particular character, this this Gracie Allen kind of character. Um, the poker scene is the most glaring. She's really ditzy in that. Look, I understand that Lucy Ricardo is impulsive and ditzy and gets herself into all kinds of situations that someone who's thinking calmly and clearly might not get into. That's the joy of her, is that She's kind of equal parts unlucky and also a disaster, right? But she's really smart. She just get she's she just can't be too smart because then there's no comedy in what she's doing. She plays really dumb in this episode. They wrote her really unintelligently. They wrote her kind of childishly. Um She's she doesn't seem to be interested in 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 trying to win. When I was training, something that they talked about a lot, something that was really impressed upon me is that the person who is playing, you know, who who is playing the big comedic bit, which is usually Lucy in pretty much every episode of I Love Lucy, everyone else is the straight man, the supporting cast, lifting her up. And that's why, in my opinion, the show is so feminist, because she is the comedic star. And on a sitcom, when you're getting laughs, the laughs are the currency. And so to give her kind of all the currency, let's say, makes her the richest person in the room, to be very literal about my metaphor. Um, so, but in this instance, so so when we're thinking about playing the joke, there's a level of taking it seriously and playing really, playing as though like the objective you have is very true that Lucy Ricardo demonstrates time and time again. We, if you'll allow me to get kind of acting schoolish for a minute, my issue is that Lucy Ricardo is a character who takes her situation very seriously, always. She is in many ways a victim of circumstance. She's a victim of bad luck, but she's also a victim of her own stubbornness and her own um, pride. I think that's really well encapsulated in like when we get to the Hollywood episodes, she gets herself into crazy situations, but she's never stupid about it. She's just really headstrong. And they take away a lot of Lucy Ricardo's headstrongness in this episode. And she's just kind of dumb. She's very um, palpable to what Ethel is telling her. And she does that a lot. Someone will point out a flaw of Lucy's and she'll she'll get kind of swept away in it and try to fix it. That that happens frequently. But I kind of rolled my eyes at one point when when Ethel was like, okay, well, now you need to be his mother. That's what the doctor says to do. And Lucy goes, I've got to be Ricky's mother. And then she starts to fold a napkin as though it's a diaper. I, I'm going to give the show the benefit of the doubt. You know, I just found it to be really a bummer because when I think of the show, I think of someone who's very strong-willed and very and very big. And I felt like in this episode they were making her less intelligent. And um, I don't think that it's a flaw in the writers, a flaw in the directors, any kind of a flaw really at all. I think it just comes down to the fact that the show didn't know what it was yet, and it was it was a remake of another show. They hadn't, you know, even though it was a remake of My Favorite Husband, so those dynamics were in play, the fact of the matter is the Ricardos and the Mertzes were their own dynamic. And so to go from I, – I, I think there was a certain expectation that they would do 
my favorite husband and just sub Desi Arnaz in, but that was never going to happen. And so this was kind of a great example of how the my favorite husband dynamic doesn't really work for Lucy Ricardo. Now let's talk about like the Cuba thing. I mean, really, the the fact of the matter is that this is just cultural appropriation. There's nothing really else to say about the Cuba thing except that it is basically Lucy being so desperate for Ricky's love that she resorts to cultural appropriation. And obviously, comedy is meant to go really, really big, right? Like, Lucy has to dress up as Carmen Miranda and dance and sing a song called Mama Yo Quiero and and do these kind of larger-than-life things because that's who Lucy is. But uh, the reality of the situation is just that it's deeply uncomfortable. And obviously, because I Love Lucy is a sitcom, they have to take a bigger swings, right? Like, that's not anything. That you, you're you not expecting real people to rent a burrow and rent children and fully transform their apartment into Cuba. That's what TV is for. Um but it's uncomfy. Um, and I can offer some historical perspectives as to where they were going with this. Um, in line with last week, I think it's great that they're really so openly acknowledging how Cuban he is, but it's uncomfortable. It just is. And there's really nothing I can say to make it un-uncomfortable. Un- un- uh, it's just the reality of the situation, unfortunately. And while I'm saying this, I do want to say I think it's important to remember that just because something happens in the 1950s and maybe it was considered quote unquote, you know, appropriate then, like just because something was okay at one point, quote unquote, doesn't mean it was okay. Does that make sense? An example that is, you know, that I can speak to, you know, before Toronto Burke started the Me Too movement, there was stuff happening that necessitated the Me Too movement. And it wasn't okay just because it happened before the the large scale movement to call it out. So I'm not saying that this was okay. Um, I'm not trying to forgive anything, you know. So I respect the fact that she had the common courtesy and grace to ask Carmen Miranda's permission before doing this impersonation. As a fan of the show, the only other thing I can think of regarding kind of the portrayal of Cuba in particular is that Desi Arnaz was an executive producer on the show, and he was a very involved one. He was, I mean, honestly, Desi Arnaz is one of the most involved and influential television producers of all time. I think it can be really easy to limit the impact of, in particular, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz to just their on-screen performances, but the two of them were exceptionally influential in television. And Desi Arnaz completely changed the way that television is filmed, recorded, uh, produced, all of it. And so I I want to believe that if this episode was happening, that he had quite a hand in it. I want to believe that if this episode, you know, that, that while this episode was filming, if there was something that he found particularly offensive, he probably, I, I want to believe that he pulled it. You know, the fact of the matter is I wasn't on set and I don't know. And I can speculate based on my knowledge of who Desi Arnaz seemed to be as a person, but I also know what it's like to be a marginalized person in a group 
and not want to make waves and just try to get along. And, you know, Desi Arnaz might have been executive producer, but he was also a Cuban man in a room full of white people trying to be a lead on a TV show, and it was episode two. So it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's uncomfortable, and it's hard. It is not the last time it will be uncomfortable, and it's not the last time that it will be difficult to discuss these things. The last thing I want to address is Dr. Humphreys. I want to talk about him and what a dick he is. Dr. Humphreys is the best example of the 1950s mindset from a gendered perspective that I could possibly imagine. This idea that, you know, the woman is responsible for the environment, the emotional environment, the physical environment, the social environment. She's responsible for mental health. She's responsible for everything. It's her fault if anything feels wrong, especially if anything feels wrong to her. And there's a lot of debate as to whether or not I Love Lucy is a feminist show. And when episodes like this come out, it's pretty hard to argue that it is. Um, I still believe that it is. And the reason is because the show doesn't work as well when Lucy is leaning into this kind of mindset. The show works so much better and is so much more successful when Lucy Ricardo owns her power, owns her strength, and ignores this stuff. And the show hasn't quite grown into that Lucy yet. The show is still working on a My Favorite Husband style Lucy, who's just not the person that we all grew to love. And it's and the show is not as timeless with this Lucy. And what I will say, I don't think they do as good of a job at this as they will do in later episodes, but they do show that all of these things fail. And I think it would be easy to watch the episode and think, oh, she's failing because she's so bad at it. She's not taking the advice correctly. But even in 2021, I enjoyed watching it. And, you know, it's a familiar thing where you think, why why does my partner not look at me the same way? And it's like, oh, it's your fault. You're not trying hard enough, as opposed to just having an honest conversation. And the minute that Ricky says, what's going on? And she says, oh, I thought, you know, you miss Cuba and that's why you didn't want to pay attention to me. Ricky gives her the love and attention she wanted. And again, I do think that they do this better in later episodes. They they put they put a better button on it. It's not really that well done for by I Love Lucy standards. It's more of just like, a, no, I love you because you're different. Kiss end. And but I do think that this that that moment, that ending moment, is kind of a good example of what the show would ultimately become, which is a show about um, a woman trying to make her mark in the world. And trying to have it all in in some ways and and, and a woman trying to keep her life in a good way and she kind of gets in her own way sometimes and then her husband loves her unconditionally. I mean, this show is in many ways a great example and and, and a great um, model of unconditional love. Ricky and Lucy fight. Lucy messes up things horribly. Um, there's quite a few times where Ricky messes things up horribly, but at the end of the day, the show is rooted in love. It's right there in the title. I, I thought the ending was a pretty good redeemer, actually, as far as plotline goes, because it showed us that all the the lessons, kind of the more toxic stuff that they'd been spewing throughout the episode wasn't correct. It wasn't true. Um, so from kind of a critical analysis standpoint, I, I, I think it's a I think it ends as well as it can for the message the rest of the episode is trying to send. 
which is to say the message they're sending is either be stupid or culturally appropriate if being stupid doesn't work. It's not really my favorite message they've ever sent. That said, uh, there was quite a few things about the episode that I found delightful. I love when Lucy comes out dressed in her beautiful sparkling gown and she's talking in that low voice and kind of almost British, like doing doing like a hello, Ricky darling. And she throws her leg up when she tries to give him sugar for his coffee. She throws her leg up and goes, sugar, dear. And, um, you know, you can really see Lucille Ball's command of her body in this episode. She portrays so many characters. Um, and you can really start to see the showcase for her physical acting, which is something that audiences wouldn't have really gotten to see on a radio show, obviously. Um, because she she does the beautiful glamorous character and then she she plays she comes in as this gum chewing poker player and then she comes in in this lip syncing diva you know drag performance of Carmen Miranda character um this is kind of our first episode where Ethel is really the sidekick to Lucy's experience which is you know a, a very common setup um, Fred is continuing his legacy as the grumpy old man. I'm intrigued to see when Fred's character really comes out. I, I, I feel like Fred right now is kind of serving as like the grumpy foil to everyone else. And I'm excited to see his edges soften a little bit. And Ricky too is very supplemental in this episode. Um, I'm excited to get a more Ricky focused episode. He has some really good ones. Um, I love the episode where he thinks he's going bald, for example. Um, and I think, you know, so, so there, there was a lot of good stuff, a lot of good relationship developing there. There was some stuff to really glean from it. It just wasn't my favorite. I'm trying to think if I had like a favorite moment of the episode. Um, you know what? My, one of my favorite moments of the episode was Fred kind of, I, the poker scene was hard for me from a Lucy performance standpoint. I really didn't like it, but I did like the way that Fred was acting. I, I enjoyed what William Frawley was doing um, to add some texture to the scene a little bit. I, I just didn't like the characterization of Lucy in that scene. She just seemed so unintelligent compared to what we know her to be. She's sly. She's quick like a fox. And she just wasn't in this episode, and it made me really sad. Um, I know that they were trying to do a, a more consistent, more common domestic performance. So a lot of domestic comedy, The Honeymooners, Gracie, George and Gracie, you know, we talked about last week, they had um, a, a specific dynamic that really Gracie Allen set forth where it was, you know, the kind of smart husband with with the ditzy wife. And Gracie Allen did it beautifully. Um, but, you know, the kind of like the, the head of the household, Ricky Ricardo. And this show exists differently as we know it because Lucy is constantly the foil to the idea of order being kept in the house by the man. She is a foil to the patriarchy constantly. Um, and, you know, she, or she's the foil to patriarchal concepts constantly. She's always undermining. She's always trying to dig out a corner of the world for herself. Um, and even though, you know, we might look at it and think, oh, she's failing constantly. So how can she be subverting anything? when you're looking at it from a comic standpoint, the person getting the most laughs, laughs is usually in the highest position of power, even if the hierarchical standpoints of the characters doesn't match up. Right. So like, so like Ricky is the, is the breadwinner of the family. So he might in a class position be higher than Lucy, 
but Lucy is the one getting the laughs. So from a comedic standpoint, she's the center point. Um, and I think that's really important to remember. So I'm just looking forward to the show kind of settling into that dynamic a little bit more because it, it, it's it's not the show that I know. They're still figuring those characters out. Um, so that's, I think, all I have to say about Be a Pal. Uh, I'm sorry that it wasn't a more glamorous and rousing review. I hope that no one's too disappointed in me. I know that the Carmen Miranda like imagery of Lucy is very important to a lot of people. It's sold on a lot of t-shirts. I think I had a Christmas ornament of it when I was a kid. Um, it's just not my favorite on a rewatch. Uh, you know, it's, it's never time wasted watching. I love Lucy. I have to say that both episodes I've watched so far when the music starts up and the credits start up, I've gotten weirdly emotional. Um, it just feels like coming home a little bit. It's very nice. Anyway, next week we'll be talking about the diet, which I have really fond memories of, um, I feel like I I liked that one a lot, but I don't have too many memories of the actual episode. Um, but I do, yeah. I mean, I have I have I have good memories of it, so I'm intrigued to see it. I think it'll be really interesting to think about. Um, I'm a plus size person, so I'm really intrigued to watch it from that perspective as an adult and. Um, see if there's a ton of fat phobia or if it's good. Um, but just as a, you know, as a heads up, the next episode does deal with dieting. So if that is not going to work out for you, skip that one. It's all good. But here's the log line for the diet so you can make an informed decision. It will not hurt my feelings if you choose to abstain. Lucy learns that a job is opening up at the Tropicana, but in order to perform it, she needs to lose 12 pounds in four days. She and Ethel develop a diet and exercise program that does not go well. Um, so we shall see. Uh, I, I'm like nervous about this one, but it'll be fine. Um, it's always a joy to watch Lucille Ball perform. And I know there's a dance number in this one. So it's very musical. These first few episodes, I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. I don't, I, I wonder how many of the episodes of the first season have musical numbers compared to the, to the end. I guess in my memory, I kind of forgot that like, Almost every episode has some sort of musical number because that's literally Desi Arnaz's thing. So we'll see. So anyway, I will see you next week, those of you who are joining for that. If not, we'll see you the following week for the quiz show, which is an episode that I 100% remember absolutely loving. And that's one that I've seen a lot. That's kind of the first one of these that I've seen a bunch. So, um, So that's that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and I will talk to you next week. The Ricardo Project is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, on my bed with a beautiful cat sitting next to me. If you'd like to chat with me about anything at all, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at thericardoproject at gmail.com or on Instagram at thericardoproject. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and reviewing this on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks find the show. If you didn't enjoy this episode, you probably aren't listening right now. Hope you have a wonderful weekend anyway. Talk to you next week.